Welcome to Skills for Growth, the podcast for business owners in Greater Manchester. I'm Andy Hall, and in this episode, I speak with Peter Crane, a super knowledgeable change management specialist with over 20 years experience under his belt, helping businesses of all sizes to thrive and become successful. We had a great conversation, and in this podcast, he tells me the three top tips any business owner must use to navigate inevitable change for the future. So, Peter, welcome to Skills for Growth. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. Really looking forward to this. I'm a business owner. Could you tell me what change management is and why should I really care? Well, the background to change management is it's all about improving processes and improving the way that you work as an organization or as a small to medium enterprise. Mm. And the reason why you should care is because a lot of competitors out there are changing their business models at the moment because of what's gone on in the country in the last 18 months with COVID, as an example, a lot of competitors have changed how they approach their work. And change management is a way of changing the way that you do your processes, the way that your business model operates. And it's really, really important that you focus on change to get the best out of your business. Okay, so change management's not necessarily crisis management when things go wrong. Is it could be a way of looking at things in a positive way? Absolutely, yeah. It it's it's a way of um. I always look upon it as value add. What you're trying to do is the most important thing to most small to medium enterprises is their customer base, and the customer is king. And what you want to do is add value to the customer, and by doing that, you can shave time off processes save time in terms of um, what you're delivering to the customer, maybe save money on how you're actually delivering it. And so the customer is at the forefront of your mind all the time when it comes to change management. Okay. So that will be things like productivity, more efficient, yes, better costings, etc. Okay. That really helps me understand a little bit more. Could you give me some examples of what change management could be? Let's have a look at some good examples first, you know, things you've seen over the last maybe year or two. Right. Things I've seen is I'm working with a business at the moment who everything they did was factory based. They're a cosmetics company and they literally work by just having, you know, a shop and production of goods coming from the factory going to the shop and people come into the shop and buy. Well, obviously what happened with COVID is the shop shut and that's that business model completely finished. What they did, they flipped their business really, really instantly by concentrating on their website, doing web orders, doing webinars, promoting their goods, doing sessions online on how to use certain cosmetics and their business model changed overnight. I spent time with them saying to them, look, you know, you can't obviously rely on the shop because the shop's not open. You can't rely on the factory to have, you know, off sales from the factory. So you're going to need to develop your website, develop your offering and go online. And that's exactly what they did. They changed their business model. And now they're considering whether or not they need the shop because the model has changed so dramatically that they're getting so many orders come through online that they're not sure that they need a shop anymore. Wow, it's a really positive example, isn't it? In you yeah. know, in a situation which people probably couldn't have predicted as well. So is change management something you should only do 
when there's a change or would you consider change management before anything happens you know for example you know just have that as part of your working practice you know to foresee potential problems yeah i always refer to it as being part of a, of a toolkit i see that you should have change management on your agenda all of the time because you know no matter how well you're performing you can always perform better and if you're looking at improving processes improving productivity, improving pricing, improving costing. It's something that you can do even if you're in a strong position as a organization. Change management should be there at the top, along with your strategy in terms of getting the most out of your business. And if you don't change, be assured that your competitors will be doing something which will potentially rival what you're doing. So I see change management as something that's very much in the forefront as opposed to in the background yeah so for those businesses that do more than survive but actually thrive and and grow and expand these are the ones we're yep. looking at change management on a regular basis then even if there is no problem yep absolutely you give me a great example of of how you know the landscape's changed particularly with covid have you got any bad examples now you don't have to name and shame or anything but have you got any examples of what people do wrong um in terms of not having a a plan for change management yes i have um i've got examples of where i've gone into businesses and they don't have one to three months or two to five year plans so they're literally you used the expression earlier they're literally just surviving hand to mouth mm. day to day they don't have cash flow forecasts they have key man dependency problems so when an organization is reliant on one person or two people in an organization if they go off ill or they leave the business, it can literally just leave a dent which can't be managed. You've got owners of businesses I've come across who are working in the business and not actually on the business. They're not being strategic. So, you know, their example again, they're working, uh, running a factory um, and they're down on the line packing boxes and this is the CEO of a company or helping put labels on things and you're going well hold on a second I know why you're doing it because you need to do it because there's no one else to do it but actually you need to take a step back and think about maybe potentially employing someone to do that job so that you can look at the strategy of the business the business vision goals mission statement and I've got numerous examples of companies which are literally just surviving because they don't have plans and they haven't made plans and they they haven't you know done cash flow forecasting for example so they don't you know i went to one business and said do you know how much money you need for the rest of the year to survive and the answer was no but I suppose when you go into business it's probably not the kind of thing you think of is it you're probably just thinking how do i you know how do i sell my service or products and then how to maybe create jobs, how to grow the business. So maybe not be something that it's at the forefront of people's minds when they set the business up. So when would you start considering having a change management policy? I would consider sort of like having it. It's easy for me to say because I'm in change management, but I would consider it as being a core component part. Once you've actually set yourself up and established yourself, then change management should be there as something that you dip in and out of when you need it. There are too many businesses which are just, as I said, just surviving and they've fallen into the business. So many businesses that I work with 
have literally set themselves up because they thought it was a good idea, but they didn't set up with a goal in mind. They don't know what their strategy is. They don't know how long they're going to, you know, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know when they're going to exit the business, whether they're going to sell the business, whether they're going to have it as a retirement pot. All of these questions are things that come up within the change management remit. I ask, you know, my SMEs, look, what is it you want to do with your business? Where do you see yourself in two years or five years? Where do you see yourself um, in 10 years time? Do you want to exit the business? You know, do you want it as your pension pot? As I said, do you want it as, um, you know, something that you can pass on to your family? And numerous questions like that. And I just get normally blank expressions because people aren't thinking beyond the end of the week, let alone the end of the year. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear that. I mean, because as you know, I work on a mentoring program and it's usually at times of change that people ask to speak with a mentor, usually because they want to know what it feels like to do what they've done. Um, But a few things come up and you've touched on this already, and that was that key man dependency. And it was so we're kind of going into this this, you know, what next, you know, what's, what's next in my phase of the business? Do I exit the business? Do I prepare to sell the business? Do I have somebody to follow in my footsteps, if you like, or maybe get a new MD? Should anything happen to me? One thing that comes up quite often, though, from a leadership perspective is that sometimes the CEO is almost subservient to the MD or a senior manager because they've got nobody to replace them. So working with the business at the moment in, in the automotive sector, and one of the key managers, he's kind of one of the only people who does what he does in that sector, but he cannot be replaced, or so the business owner says. Have you got any advice on, you know, on that type of scenario? I would say um, my experience is no one is irreplaceable. So I would always look to have a plan B. And I work with businesses to make sure that they have a plan B in terms of if that key person leaves, then who have they got? ready in succession planning to step into that role? Do they have a job specification for that role that they can actually um, go to market with very rapidly? Are they putting feelers out, you know, just in the marketplace generally, just to know what's around and who's around? Because that's a really big problem with organizations that I'm working with at the moment where I come across key person dependency and you're going, well, what happens if they're off sick? They say, well, they haven't been off sick. And you go, yeah, but what happens if? And there's no thought process to the what happens if. I would make sure that I would have a a plan B in terms of someone who can step into that person who's dependent's shoes, someone who maybe you can split some of the job up and spread it across, spread the load across the rest of the organization, but definitely have a plan. Would that be the case for every level, you know, not just MD, senior manager, but even for the business owner, the CEO, what happens if they're off? Yeah, absolutely. They need they need to have a plan in, in place whereby if they're off, what actually happens? Who takes responsibility? Who's going to do the, you know, sign off the finance papers? There are a lot of small businesses who actually still do their payments on a weekly basis. They don't use systems like Sage or you know, other um, bits of software. And they literally go in on a Friday and they do wage slips and money in wage packets. Well, what happens if the person's off who does that? Staff don't get paid. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, all businesses are different. 
the way that they actually operate. And it's really interesting to come across, you know, the small business who literally do pay by cash and with a wage slip from many years ago, which I can remember getting years and years ago. <laughs> Me too. To, you know, getting your money transferred into your bank account on a Friday, on the last Friday of the month. Lots of different operating models, lots of different software. And people, you normally find that it's just one person who's trained on the software. Mm. And that's another dependency that you have. Okay. So dependency is one of these key areas to, to look at, then, yep. isn't it? So if we're dependent on a person or, or, or a process, what happens if yes. something goes wrong? Yeah, that, that really helped. So Peter, how long have you worked in this sector? How long have you been involved in change management? I got involved in change management in 2001, 2002. Wow. Uh, I went on something called Six Sigma training, which is a project methodology. And um, it taught me all the different facets of change management involving how you manage people, how you manage processes, how you look at data. You know, they're, they're the three things that are key, people, process, and data, along with customer satisfaction. Brilliant. So would you recommend Six Sigma for business leaders or, or for SMEs as well? Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it's, it came from the, um, the Japanese motor trade, um, from Toyota and from Honda who introduced it as a methodology for managing the production of cars. But back in the early 2000s, it got transferred into financial services and into manufacturing in sort of like a more widespread area. And it's a solid methodology for actually managing change in your business, very heavily data reliant. So you actually do statistical analysis on organizations. Mm. That's really interesting. So another thing you just mentioned, so 20 years you've been working in change management. First of all, you yep. don't look old enough to be working in change management <laughs> that long. So Thank you for that. I know it's a podcast, but I can see you. Um, it fascinates me because over the last two decades, there's been so many changes within the business landscape. You've touched on one of them. We've had COVID. We've had a pandemic. You couldn't plan for a pandemic or maybe... Maybe you can, I'm not too sure. What other kind of changes have you seen over the last two decades to the business landscape? I think the, the biggest change I've seen is the one that's happening at the moment, which is it's an overused word saying agile working, but where you've got organizations where we've been working from home for the last 12 or 18 months or 15 months, and we're now getting back into the workplace and people are saying, well, you've got to be agile. What does agile actually mean? And what it means is it, it's flexibility, allowing your workforce to work from home sometimes and sometimes to, you know, come into the office. I work with and I'm, I'm still in contact with through networking, the chief operating officer of a large uh, FTSE 100 company who says that they're now looking at their footprint for their offices because they've done a staff survey and the staff have said they're quite comfortable doing two days or three days a week from home and two days in the office. And so they're looking to shed their footprint in terms of offices across the country and do a more Regis-style approach whereby you rent some office space for like a Friday and a Monday, and everybody comes to the office space who wants to come in and meet their colleagues and do one-to-ones or whatever it is they want to do face-to-face. -face. And they save on the cost of having buildings overheads and all of that. That's the biggest change I think we're going to see in the next 12 to 18 months. Organizations not having huge offices anymore.
Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. So that's obviously because of technology, we're allowed to do that now, aren't we? But kind of thinking back to the last recession, we're probably going back just over 10 years ago now. You were in change management then, is that right? Yes, I was. What kind of things did you see around about that time? That was wholesale panic initially because um, businesses were worried, obviously, about what their future was going to be because of the fact that lots of people were being made redundant. Money was, um, you had the, the situation with some banks and building societies whereby there was a run on the banks, there were a run on the building societies, um, and that didn't, you know, bode well for businesses. Uh, what they had to do was look at ways of saving money. And the way that they looked at saving money isn't, it isn't always about, you know, losing jobs or cutting training budgets. It's actually about becoming more operationally efficient and better for your customer. And by operationally efficient, that means maybe taking steps out of a process that you do, be that a financial services transactional process, be that what we do at the growth company, just taking steps out to make it more efficient, more compact, more streamlined. And you can actually become a more, I guess, more efficient and more cost-efficient company by doing that, as opposed to if you just do the same thing again and again and again and expect to get a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And um, there are a lot of organizations who just think, well, it'll be all right tomorrow. It'll be all right tomorrow. And you've got to change. And change is painful because people don't like change because it's, you know, you're, you, maybe you're ch going to change the way that someone works in terms of what they do on their day to day job. And that doesn't sit comfortably with everybody. Uh, I always break the workforce down into thirds. You've got a third who will always do what needs to be done and will embrace change and embrace the new approach to work. You've got a third who will go, yeah, okay, you know, that, that's, that's all right. I'll, um, I'll accept what you're telling me and I'll give it my best try. You've got a third who will sort of like dig their heels in and go, I'm not going to embrace the change. And they're the third that you need to work on most of all to make sure that they're on board the bus and that they actually do support and don't detract from the change that you're trying to implement. That's really interesting because over the last maybe two, three decades, there have been so many serious changes and those changes seem to be coming up more often. We've got, yep. you know, we've, we've had a recession, left Europe, had a pandemic, you know, so we've had some really serious key changes in the business landscape and I doubt that's going to change. We've got potentially um, another recession coming up, depending on, you know, those factors we've just mentioned there as well. So I'm a business owner and I've got a workforce. It's only a small workforce, but I've got the broken down into three. That last sector of people, that worries me a little bit because if these people are not performing, this is really going to impact on me. What, what advice would you give to me as a business owner to engage my workforce to embrace change better? I would take the forming norming, storming, performing approach to um, business management, whereby that there's a professor back in 1965, a Canadian professor who came up with that approach. And it's all about team dynamics and where your team are actually just initially forming, um, then they're uh, storming, then they're uh, norming, then they're performing. And it's all around making sure that your key personnel are on board the bus, as I've said before, and that you have to either 
And it, it sounds quite brutal. You either have to manage up or manage out certain people within your workforce if they're not going to do what you need them to do. You know, your your business may absolutely may just be on teetering on the edge and it needs to survive and not just, you know, stop trading. I'm working with a business at the moment whereby it is a small business. It's in manufacturing, deals with three main customer bases. They've got two big customers plus private work. Um, and they've got a workforce who are 80-20 anti the way that the company is going, the direction that the company is going in. Really? Yeah. And I'm working with that business at the moment to work with the individuals. There are only 16 of them on a one-to-one basis to try and actually get to the root cause of the problem, which is what is it that they don't like? Is it that they're not paid enough? Is it that their hours are too long? Is it that, you know, their working conditions aren't right to try and get to the nub of the, the problem so that you can then fix it and have a happy workforce. And um, we're introducing well-being, health and well-being into the workforce. Lots of different techniques that you can use, but that's a business that is teetering on the edge at the moment, whereby they don't know whether they're going to be there in three months' time. That's really interesting because it's been a common theme through the Skills for Growth podcast, looking at the people in the business and how important the people in the business are. You mentioned it earlier, just how yep. important the people are. And it's not just about processes. And this whole idea of, not idea, but the whole concept of culture change, um, it kind of seems like that employees are being treated more like people now, more than just assets. Is this something you're seeing more of now? Absolutely, yeah. People are key to the success of the business. They are your main asset. If you don't treat your people right, you're not going to necessarily have a successful business. So people are now at the forefront in terms of senior management's thought process and trying to make sure that certainly now health and well-being is something which is interlinked with what I'm doing with change management to ensure that people are, their mental health is fine their physical health is fine, their financial health is fine, and their family situation is fine. So that all those core elements ensure that when they come to work in the morning or in the afternoons or whatever, that they are actually coming to work in the best possible position to do a good day's work. That's really interesting. We had this, a very similar conversation with Maria Manda, a colleague of yours, yep. about health and well-being and the importance of, but there's been a real shift now in looking after our people, not just from a health and well-being perspective, but looking at things like hybrid working, if you like, and you know different ways of working to engage and get the best out of individuals. So we've kind of gone on a journey. You know, We've looked over the last kind of 20 years, we've looked at recessions, pandemics, um, we've looked at leaving Europe as well, and where we are now. What do you see in the future? I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out. So what do you see in the future? What's going to happen? If I had a crystal ball, <laughs> I think it would be that the way that we work is going to be different. It will be more um, overused word agile. There will be more working from home. There will be less office space. I don't think we'll ever go back to working five days a week in an office going forward. I think because people have got used to working from home, being productive, productivity. I know from a lot of companies I've worked with hasn't declined as a result of people working from home. They like the flexibility of maybe having a seven to seven window to work their hours in. So the first 
sort of like crystal ball moment will be, I don't think we're going to return to all being back in the office. Different with manufacturing, where you're obviously working in the factory, that's a bit different. I think that will remain the same, but there'll be more flexibility in terms of hours and also lots more around health and well-being being introduced to factory working, definitely. I think the other thing is it's making sure that companies are ready for change, that they they do have a plan B, that they themselves are agile, that they themselves are prepared to change. And when they see something coming over the horizon, they're prepared for it as opposed to it coming as a complete bolt out of the blue. So, you know, COVID came as, you know, a bolt out of the blue and people weren't prepared for it. Um, I think it's it's now is the time to almost like set your stall out, get yourself in order, make sure that you've got your one to three months, two to five year business plan. Make sure you know your cash flow forecast. Make sure you know your strategy, where you're heading. Make sure that you have mission, vision and goal statements and um, make sure that you are thriving and not surviving. I like that. It's really good. You've almost taken the words out of my mouth now because my next question was going to be, what are your top tips for change management? So if you, if you were to say, you know, speak with a with a business owner now who's doing okay, you know, they've, they've navigated the, the difficult times of, of leaving Europe and, you know, a pandemic and things are normalizing and I'm feeling quite smug about it. What would your top tip be for me? Don't rest on your laurels. Definitely, if you're feeling comfortable, that's not necessarily the best place to be. You want to be always, I, I believe you've always got to be working out of your comfort zone in terms of pushing the boundaries and being more business savvy, I think is the best way of describing it. Making sure that you can actually change when the change comes along, that you're not behind the curve, that you've always got maybe a 12 to 18 month gain on your competitors. That's what you need. You need to have that sort of like thought process and that strategy that makes sure that you can, if anything comes along. So if the workforce change does come into place and we're not going to have big offices anymore, that you've already made arrangements to, you know, get out of your leases or get out of your footprint, that you've got plans in place to do that, that you've got the cash in place to actually manage those changes, not have it come as a surprise and not be able to cope. Brilliant. So how do people get in touch with you or Skills for Growth? They can get in touch with me directly through emailing me at peter.crane at growthco.uk or they can contact the Skills for Growth programme and um, I can be put in contact with them. Brilliant. Peter, thank you very much for joining me today on Skills for Growth. Thanks very much. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. Thanks for listening. Please follow Skills for Growth in your podcast app. And if you have time, leave us a review or rating. For more information about preparing your business for the future, visit skillsforgrowthsme.co.uk. See you next time.